0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Contractor Evolution Show. Benji and Igor are here with you today from our Vancouver studio.
1: So our guest on the show today is Tommy Mello, the founder and CEO of A1 Garage Doors, the author of The Home Service Millionaire, a book you should read, by the way, if you haven't already. Um, And he's also the host of the Home Service Expert podcast. Among other things, he's a man uh, of many talents. Now, Tommy has become a fairly well-known figure in the home service space over the last decade, but for those of you that don't know Tommy, let us paint you a bit of a picture. In 2007, at the age of 23, Tommy started A1 and did about 800K in that first year of operations. Over the next 15 years, Tommy grew his business to $10 million, to $30 million, then 50, then 100. And as we're recording this right now, A1's 2022 annual trend is showing they will do somewhere in the neighborhood of $200 million this year across 16 different states.
0: Now, as he says right from the beginning, top line is vanity, bottom line is sanity. And despite A1's meteoric success, Tommy is quick to share his failures and his shortcomings for everyone else's learning and entertainment. It's one of the things we do love about him. So we've organized today's conversation to highlight the five biggest game changers that have helped Tommy go from zero to $200 million a year in revenue in 15 years. So our hope is that you take these five things to heart. They have changed the game for Tommy and they just might for you too. So let's hop in. Tommy
1: Mello, my friend, it's really good to see you, man. Welcome to the Contract Revolution podcast. We've been excited and looking forward to having you on for months now. It's really good to see you.
2: You guys as well. I'm excited to do this. Lots of prep. You guys did a great job for this, this
0: podcast. Awesome, Tommy. I'm excited for this. So let's uh, let's kick it off with a bit of history and a background. So you started A1 15 years ago in 2007. Uh, in that first year, you mentioned you guys did about 800K uh, in revenue in a whole year. And, uh, two days ago on Tuesday, you did over 500,000 in a day. Uh, tell us a bit about that evolution and, and a bit of your story and how the company evolved over the last 15 years.
2: Yeah. You know, up till 2007, the best book I read was, I think Lord of the Flies in ninth grade. Uh, so I learned how to read, and actually get excited about books. Uh, My CPA handed me the E-Myth, was the first book revisited in 2008. Michael Gerber. And Michael Gerber, I read that book within a week, came back, he handed me the ultimate sales machine. He handed me uh, the richest man in Babylon, rich dad, poor dad. And I just started cycling through books over time and becoming an avid reader was great, hanging out with winners. uh, It was like an epiphany in probably 2012 that I decided this industry of garage doors was not what I wanted. Mm. So I said, what's the most successful industry I know of in home service? And it happened to be HVAC. In the early 90s, uh, Frank Blau, uh, these amazing guys got together and formed best practices and taught people how to build an org chart, how to put manuals together. And they really built a great organization and so I started flying out and seeing very successful shops that really didn't have a lot to do with garage doors. And they, they opened up their their doors to me. They let me interview their CFO, their CMO, uh, $500 million shops. And um, I really learned Really, – I've made every mistake in the book. I think that's kind of my highlight reel is if there's failure to be done, it happened with me. I just didn't continue to let that happen. I was the firefighter, I had people steal from me, I had inventory mistakes, I owed the IRS a bunch of money, um had loans not go through right at the end when I needed them. <laughs> so, I think the the good news is I'm not coming to you guys I, my parents did an amazing job. They love me so much, but they really didn't have a lot, a lot of money to give me. Uh so I had to kind of earn everything. And uh it's a tri- trials and errors and not making the same mistake twice and The biggest thing I could tell you is the emphasis on people, personal growth, growth, better your best, really give a shit about the people that are on my team. Mm -hmm. And it's something that uh, has completely changed the outlook is what's in it for them and how do you attract A players. But A players are not always given to you. Sometimes you got to coach an A player. Mm -hmm. I was a C football player, until the coach ran me through drills two days, five days a week and taught me and put his faith in me. And the coolest thing about my coaches is my mom worked three jobs. They made sure I got a good dinner. They made sure my grades were doing good. They cared about me genuinely. And I think that's a big piece that's missing in business, especially home Mm services. You work for me. I took all the chances, blah, blah, blah. So my mindset needed to change way more towards being an advocate and trying to really empathize with the amazing people, my coworkers, and really give a damn about them.
1: Yeah, it's. Um, I love that comment about far- farm-raised talent, like like really nurturing it and growing it at home rather than trying to shop for it all the time or go find it outside. I mean that works also, but but there's a lot, a lot, a lot of roles that you need to, a lot of holes in your business that you need to develop and fill yourself. Um, before we do, we're gonna get into these kind of like five game changers for you, and I'm excited to dive in. Before we do, can you just give uh, maybe the listener who hasn't heard of Tommy Mello, or, or Tommy Mello or a one or the home service expert. Like, can you just give them a bit of a lay of the land on your business as it stands today? Um, where you guys operate, what you guys are up to, and maybe a brief overview of the, the plan for the future for you guys. Cause it's really impressive.
2: Yeah. We're in 20 States, 30 markets. We're mostly a greenfield company right now, which means we've grown organically. We haven't really, we've partnered with a few companies, but, um, We got a new president of the company as of a year ago because I knew I was missing a piece, especially the financial side, Uh, so important for banking relationships, investments, understanding the numbers at a deeper level. So we're we're really hitting on all cylinders right now. Uh, We're on course to do over two hundred million dollars, which is a great accomplishment. But I got to tell you, and this is not any BS, we're in the fetal stages. Where I feel like today is just a new day. We're just getting started. We're really at the beginning of – I don't feel like it's the same company. I don't feel like it's a garage door company. We're a people company. We happen to be a technology company that does garage doors. Yeah. So um, the different changes now going on as new roles are being created. We have 51 technicians coming through class next month, wow. 51 new techs that will be out in the field in October. So literally that, – that and my goal for each truck is a million dollars. One guy, one truck – one million dollars. So you add it all up and you say, how is that possible? Listen, it's gonna get, there will be 200 technicians coming through this, this company yeah. per month within the next six months. And a lot of it's gonna be through acquisitions, it's gonna be through Amazing Greenfield, it's figuring out things to a science. It's building a game plan that works anywhere. It's, you, you go in and you ghost, for the first three weeks meaning you're not even there presently but you start in your marketing building the jobs and the goal is greenfield is amazing strategy but acquisitions is so much fun for me because we started vertical track it's an event and people showed up Mm -hmm. and they said oh my god you got an eight thousand square foot facility that you train these guys we've got garage doors that create real life experience and we feed the guys and we have fun and we role play which is a bad word for a lot of people they don't like it and um There's so much fun that's created here. And then we've got all these support streams and uh, people see that. And they said, listen, I can't get parts. I can't get trucks. It's hard to find technicians. We're going to do a recession. Can we partner with you? Can we be part of what you're doing? And that's what's made it fun for me is they've got a real big want. They came to me. I didn't even reach out to them. Mm -hmm. And now there's 40 companies lined up that literally want to be part of what we're doing and change an industry. Mm-hmm. And I like to think of it as like the Starbucks effect, like we're gonna raise the bar, garage door companies are gonna all start making more money. I don't I don't want to win and then lose. It, everybody needs to win. I, I hope that every garage door company, every home service company can provide for their family, create freedom, and start enjoying every day, including Mondays, which is tough for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's
0: interesting, I just want to point out this model, um, it's this combination of greenfield and acquisition. Um, it, it, it's such an innovative approach. Like we've had uh, other guests on the show, Jason, that, J- Jason Paris, G- Paris yeah. is, is one a good example. Um, moving forward with this with with this acquisition model, and um, I think that a lot of people in, in, in trades when they're when they're looking for serious growth, um, this is done in a lot of industries, but isn't looked commonly. It doesn't look that commonly here. It's
1: not as common. It's not yeah. as common. And that's a good thing for you. If I think it makes it a bit more of a buyer's market. Um, and it's a very, very interesting strategy to investigate. Tommy's a great example. If you guys want to go deeper, I can't remember the episode number, but Jason Paris, we go deep on his sort of uh, acquisition strategy. You know, I think the thing that I'm really excited about uh, on today's episode is so many people talk about w- wanting to achieve what you've achieved. We're going to expand geographically. We're going to be open in different states. We're going to have huge crews, a large training facility. I have this conversation, what feels like on a daily basis at trade show booths in business assessments with many, many entrepreneurs. But I have to say, and I'm not just being cynical. This is the reality. Very few people actually do it. It's quite rare. Uh, so this a lot mm-hmm. of talk. You have walked the walk. Um, and are continuing to do so. And you mentioned something which kind of segues really well into our first big game game changer. For you, talking about financial controls a minute ago, Tommy. So this is a big, I think, light bulb moment for you and a big, um, uh, a huge like trajectory changer for, for the business. When and why did you make the switch from financial freewheeler to dialed in?
2: Revenue is for vanity. Profit is for sanity. I don't need to talk about our revenue. What I want to talk about is the darn near $40 million I'm going to put in the bank this year because that's really what needs to be discussed. Uh, I know how to make a lot of money. I just never knew how to keep it. Right. And that's one of the game changers. It's so important to understand. I've got a master's degree, which means nothing, by the way. (laughs) I'm not bragging to you guys by any means. It doesn't mean a whole lot. I learned how to network. I learned how to public speak. But what I did learn through the master's program is the implementation. But a finance, the right finance guy will come in. He'll build banking relationships. He'll learn how to lever money. He'll learn how to find things that don't look right on the balance sheet, income statement, and P&L. He'll help throttle you when you need to be throttled. A guy like me needs to be, I need a no man around me. I need people to say this isn't the right idea right now. And I need people to figure out during COVID, we should double down on marketing because we're buying TV at one-fifth of the price and getting five times the viewership. That's a 25 times ROI. So when, when I got my, I guess the, the whole brain shift opened up to really paying attention to these numbers, big fan of KPIs, but understanding cost of goods, understanding when I could look at 30 markets and find out why is our labor up here, why is the marketing up here? It lets you really understand. I've always got a lot of kind of focusing on who's winning. And when you got winning markets, you could actually pull out what's working. Right. And by getting somebody that understands these things. And here's the greatest news. There's a lot of things out there that people don't understand. The Augusta tax law, R&D credits, the PPP money that a lot of people got. They understand we bought a building next door in an opportunity zone. So the right financial people in the company, they open up. You pay less money to the government legally because you're you're, you're doing accelerated depreciation, doing cost segregation studies. And I know this stuff sounds French to a lot of people, but it did to me too. Until I got the right people. So if you don't have the money to go out and get the right people in your finance department, just you got a lazy bookkeeper that barely could keep track of what happened last year. Invest in a fractional CFO or get a consultant, because if you Fractional CFOs, sometimes they make 500 grand. Mm. But if you're using them five hours, you're only paying 50 grand. But they'll put in easy ways to track how you pay your bills billpay.com. They'll track how to use the best credit card points and get free, a lot of free stuff that you're going to spend in the future. They'll learn how to get money. Not when you need it. You never get money exactly when you need it, you get it when you don't need it. Mm -hmm. So the light bulb went on when they started bringing me data. And I went, oh my gosh, we need to get out of home warranties. It's 80% of our problems, 3% of our revenue, and they showed me the facts, and it's it's indisputable. Right. So getting someone that's confident in the numbers and understands, and if you walked in here now, we do an internal audit every year. We literally go through and make sure everything's perfect. The bank loves it because we're they've been audited by one of the big four. We did uh, PwC, uh, PCW, something like that. And I believe it or not, I'm not very involved in that piece of it. And I don't want to be. I want to focus on my strengths. (laughs) You know, I've got a superpower, marketing, sales, getting people encouraged to win, bettering their best why would I ever want to reflect and become great in the accounting department and try to master that right. skill? So I hire for my weaknesses.
1: Well, so, but it, it hasn't always been this way. Do you remember a time before a lot of this infrastructure was built? A lot of these people were brought in where your visibility was just not where it needed to be in any, I don't know any trouble that got you that, that, that got you in any Oh shit moments. Like, you know, let's go back to early days, Tommy, like what was it like before all of this support and dashboards and, and better tracking it's, It definitely – this wasn't always the case.
2: Oh, I would say 2015, my general manager walked in my financial guy's office and saw him watching Naughty Women videos, so that didn't go very well. Um, That's what he was doing with most of his time, I think. So I thought I was – I thought you don't know what's good until you really understand what great is and get to see it. So hindsight is 2020, as they say. We were moving into this new building about four years ago, and the SBA loan hadn't gone through, so we did a bridge loan, and then all of a sudden, I got very involved because I'm getting this loan, and I'm looking at the financials, and I realized we were in a lot of trouble. We made so much money. I don't know how, but without that financial advice, we barely, and I'm talking by a straw. I remember going to my neighbor's house, who was a controller at a company, and I said, Things are not going as good as I thought they were going. And it was in a it was just this bright light that said, dude, you need to go in here and start working on systems and start getting higher conversion rate, better average tickets, lowering your cost per acquisition, and focusing on the business at hand because I was always push, 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 grow, grow, grow. Yeah. I'm reinvest nice. here's what I find find, Benji, is a lot of companies they say I'm reinvesting in the company, but they're really just not making money. They don't know where the money is. I think Ellen Rowe wrote a book. It's amazing. Uh, she wrote it. Where did the money go? And it, th- th- that's what I used to say. Where's all the – the, the, the C- CPA would call me up and be like, you owe $2 million. And I go, what? I don't even have that in my account. How is that possible? And I think a lot of us go through this and the financial clarity with the right people is just it, – it's it's godsend. And it's yeah. amazing. And it's something you should cherish. That and it's something everybody made. should have.
1: Oh, Some people say they're reinvesting in their business, but really they're just not making any money. I think that is a tough pill to swallow, but a necessary one for for entrepreneurs at times.
0: To what Tommy was saying around revenue being such a vanity metric, profitability equals operational excellence. Like your level of profitability is the scoreboard, Right. right? A company that is... Uh, great at marketing and has tons of leads that has a great sales process with strong people in it, the good training systems, operational controls, all this stuff is going to be highly profitable. If you do not have those things, your, your, your EBITDA, your net profit margins at the end of the year are going to be low. And what I love about what Tommy said there around like everything really comes down like profitability is sanity is, um, that is your ultimate measuring stick. Like, are you a strong operator or are you not? You will know in your profitability.
1: Mm -hmm. I'm I'm curious, Tommy, like, has it been your experience when it comes to, uh, especially like financial professionals, you mentioned the fractional CFO thing. You mentioned some of the talent that you've brought in for your team. Has it been your experience that you get what you pay for in this category?
2: Yes and no. I mean, a lot of people come in saying I got all the experience. What I would really draw upon is the past clients they've worked with and really see if you could analyze their success. And I'd love to talk with them, find out the reports that make them make critical decisions. What happened when something didn't go right? What are some of the expenditures you guys have spent and actually received more on? Building the team. Uh, I talked to a $400 million EBITDA company yesterday. We went talked for a couple hours. And what I found is they have 10 analysts. The customer journey is dialed in. They liked, they, they've they got the, their supply chain dialed in because of the analyst and because of the way they think about things. And they really understand they've got 200 landing pages for different things. So they understand why the client is coming to them. And I don't want to go into who it is because uh, that's not right. But ultimately, what I love about that is these are the people I'm surrounding myself with. You might say, mm-hmm. man, Tommy's made it. Heck no. I'm in the beginning. This is the first chapter. This is nothing. Yeah. Like when I go around a 400 million EBITDA company, that's 10 times bigger than I am. Yeah. So it's like you you, you start hanging around in different groups Yeah. and it's like going golfing. If you were to shoot four, uh, four, four over, you're not going to go hang around with a bunch of 20 handicaps. You want to go to somebody that's shooting three under. Mm-hmm. And But you can't go to somebody that's shooting 20 under because well, not a lot of people could do that. I don't think that's possible. <laughs> yeah. But the point is… You wanna always better your best. You wanna put yourself around with people that are winning, that are better than you. And I, I've really focused on that, hanging around the right people.
0: Yeah, we're. I just wanna point something out. We're not far into this awesome conversation and we've talked now twice about two different instances where Tommy's gone and spent a bunch of time with real heavy hitters, right? Like even just in his last couple of minutes, we talked about in 2012 uh, when he was running a small business, like what would you have been doing? Maybe a few million in revenue, I'm assuming. Right in twenty twelve you're hanging out with Yeah, it
2: was like three three and a half million, yeah.
0: Yeah, three and a half million. He's flying to go see A company in a different industry, how they operate in HVAC, doing, I think you said 500 million in revenue. Now he's understanding what a company that does 400 million in EBITDA looks like and how they operate. Um, It it, it is an interesting, um, it it is just interesting to look at that mindset. Um, Before we move on to the next point, this next kind of game changer, I do just have one final quick question on this financial controls piece, Tommy. If somebody's listening to this and they say, man, I am nowhere as efficient as I should be. I know that we've got tons of holes financially. We need to better structure our financial systems, but I cannot afford a full-on CFO. You talked a bit about this, this concept of a fractional CFO. Where would somebody start right now? Like, where would they look? How did you go about it? Do you have any advice for somebody in, in, in that situation right now?
2: Well, my best advice is I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all. There's 10 ways to the top of the mountain. But what I would do is I would rely on successful people. You'd be surprised if you just – my favorite three letters are ASK. If you ask successful companies, they're more than willing to share. So we went out and we hired a really great, amazing recruiter, and I got an amazing president of the company that helped build that side of the team. So I needed to go to an amazing recruiter, uh, a fractional CFO. There's several sources of these, but – there's proven track records, and you got to do diligence. But the difference is, here's what everybody's saying: I know I need to do this. I'm going to write a note. I'm going to put it under my pillow and wait for the note fairy to come, grant it, and it's all going to come true. You need to implement today. You need to make action. I don't care about next week. I care about what your actions are today. Own your schedule and get action taken. And don't let anything distract you. You close your door and you say, "I'm busy working on the one thing." And this is the most important thing that's going to move the needle Mm -hmm. and it's going to set me free. It's going to be more time with my kids, more time with my wife who happens to want to leave me because I'm so busy, so little time into her life and my kid's life. You know, I'm not married. I don't have kids. But ultimately, I see relationships torn apart because they're so they live in this continuous grind of firefighting Mm -hmm. and it's it gets old and it makes you get gray and bald and not wanna be around very much. And and it's a scary life, and I know what it's like. I don't have kids, but I got a niece and nephews, and I know what it's like to spend time with family. and start doing things a little bit different.
0: CFO or fractional CFO, depending on how large or small your business is, Mm -hmm. go make it happen.
1: Um, The second thing here on the list I wanted to knock off is this, I, I know at some point along your journey Tommy, getting an integrator in place was really pivotal. And I just maybe for listeners who aren't familiar with that sort of framework, this Traction EOS sort of perspective, the, the visionary integrator concept, can you maybe just describe that dynamic in its simplest form? And then and then on the heels of that, talk about um, when it became clear to you that you needed an integrator, how you found that person and, and how that changed your business and your life.
2: Yeah, so if I could explain, you know, in Rocket Fuel, which if you haven't read Rocket Fuel, Mark Winters, Geno Wickman, EOS has to do a little bit with it. But really, what it's all about is the VI relationship, visionary integrator. Some people say they're both, they're lying to themselves. I don't believe that. They're not, they're, they might be a little bit of one, but it's like, it's not true. And typically, entrepreneurs are visionaries. They have an idea and they want to run with it. They, they're looking far into the future, they, they see their life of where they want it to be. And Walt Disney, is everybody's been to Disney World, Disneyland. He was a visionary. He had a vision. He had a dream. But his brother, Roy, knew what was in the bank account. He knew how to hire construction workers. He knew what needed to happen next. I would say with me, it happened. 2010, my stepdad came and helped out for four years. 2014, Adam Cronenberg became my integrator. He handled payroll, HR, inventory. He handled a lot of setup with the CRM, things that I couldn't stand to do things operationally that I wasn't equipped to do. And he set me free. He said, Tommy, you go out there, build the best marketing team, build a recruiting team, go hire amazing people, go continue to do what you do best and you love to do. And so I was set free because all of a sudden these mundane tasks that he enjoyed doing, I didn't have to do. And then you add a great CFO on top of that. It's like, it's incredible. And then if you get, I acted as a CMO and I got very fortunate that I learned a lot of marketing. But if you add these key roles, And you pay them well, especially on performance pay, it'll set you free. So at the simplest form, an integrator just means somebody that's going to help you fill your vision. Mm -hmm. They're going to fill in the sweet spots. They're going to understand how to prioritize. And they're going to set you free. But you also can't – the two things you need to keep your eye on when you find an integrator is keep an eye on marketing and keep an eye on your financials. Because those two things are things that you could get taken advantage of. And a lot of the times the owner's not present. They say, I built a business that I don't need to be there. Get your ass back in there and be accountable and be a role model for your people and show up Monday through Friday. Unless you're on a trip to go see a new market, I don't want to hear how you built a life that you don't need to be there because then sell the business because I'll tell you what, you lose respect and you lose the team atmosphere and I just don't think it's right and I've got... Dozens of people weekly that walk up to me, they go, yeah. You're here all the time. You show up. That's why we're with you. You know,
1: Tommy, I have an interesting take on this. I. Be very, you know. Let us know in the comments if you agree or disagree with this. I have a theory that the Four Hour Work Week, written by Tim Ferriss, came out at a very, very was very timely, and it really hit the algorithm at the right moment and became very, very popular. This idea that you can automate and delegate everything and essentially run your business. You hear this all the time. You especially hear it with younger entrepreneurs, who I think are a little bit more influenced and a little less cynical, or maybe. Uh, you know, tested and don't, don't quite get how dream state a lot of these ideas are. But you hear people go like, well, I'm just going to, you know, like three to five years, I'm just going to systems. I'm just going to systemize this thing. And I'm going to like w- work in it a half day a week and the thing's just going to run. And, um, I, you know, maybe it's just my bubble, but I feel like we have are blessed to speak with some really smart entrepreneurs, have some really interesting people on this show. I have yet to see that model work. For this space in, in particular, maybe maybe it's going on in other industries that I don't know about. But this whole concept that you can essentially uh, if you work hard and you make the right decisions and get you get the right systems in place, you can essentially step away within a five year window, I think is asinine. I, I really do. Do I think that you can make it easier? Absolutely. Can you lessen your workload? Absolutely. Can you get it down to twenty hours a week, thirty hours a week? Sure. Can you shift your role around so that you're doing more things that play to your strengths, and you bring in people who get to play to their strengths, like you've just described with your visionary integrator dynamic? Sure, all that's possible. But this whole notion that uh, one day you're going to be running this thing from uh, from an iPhone and an iPad on a on a you know literally from Thailand, I think is. I just, yeah, I've, I've yet to see it work. And here you are kind of a titan of the industry, you know, probably could. And you are in the office, you know, five plus days a week. I just, yeah, that's my take on it. I don't know if you guys have an opinion.
2: I've got the, I've got all of Tim Ferriss's book and it was a great, it, what I like about it is the power of delegation, the power of systems, right. but there, yeah. there means something to be here and to smile. And say congratulations, you're kicking butt, and to recognize people totally. and to make people feel special. People are people; they want to work for someone that cares, that totally. sees that they they mean something. Yeah. And you can't tell somebody on a Zoom call and shake their hand and spend quality time with them. Yeah, they, it's they just want just not your possible. human presence. So,
0: yeah, they want your human they, presence. They, they, and I, sorry, I just want to say, I couldn't agree more with, with this bit that Tommy said on marketing and financials. Right? Oh, yeah. You know Let's how, go back to that. Yeah, you yeah. Know how totally. I, you know how I operate. 100%. We work quite closely together. Like, we have a f- large and fairly complex organization. There's a million things that I could do, and there's many things that I kind of stay more out of and let high performers lead. But marketing, how much of a pulse do I have on marketing? Yeah, I know everything, about yeah. what, what's going on. Financials, I know of every everything going in and out, all of our financial systems. Like I, 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 it's it's perfectly clear to me and with those two things you're totally right Tommy I think that you can get the right people in place this visionary integrator model we see it all over the place um, another good example Brian Scudamore with, with Eric Church yeah. as the integrator you see uh, at 1-800-GOT-JUNK you see that model all over the place but at the end of the day you're absolutely right Tommy you got to keep an eye on marketing because it is the lifeblood of like everything stems from lead flow and, and at the end of the day businesses by definition we live in a capitalist model society it is about making making money um you have to know where where, where the cash is so really really well, good. let points. me just
2: clear, i want to clear one thing sorry there's probably delivering the the waste management marketing is not for clients only marketing is for amazing co-workers in my building here marketing is for amazing partnerships it's amazing vendors it's amazing banking relationships Marketing is the biggest misconception is I need to find more customers. What if you found a guy that could double ticket average, higher conversion rate, find out the HOA manager, got five reviews on every job. So a lot of people go, I need more customers. I'm like, no, you don't. You're not making any money from the customers you're getting. <laughs> like, forget that. That's wrong. Top grade or train your people better because I do half the leads and I'll do double what you do if I put in the same situation because I've trained more. I've recruited the best, I hire for will. I hire people that look me in the eye, they shake my hand, they care, I can tell they've got a great family life, they're not into this living paycheck to paycheck, they have no money, they're barely gonna get by, they need to borrow money to make next paycheck. It's because number one, they don't pay enough, they're not on performance pay. Mm. There's a lot of things that go into that, I don't need to take that apart right now, but the, the real deal is marketing is so much more than marketing to clients, it's so much bigger than that.
1: Uh, that that's been our experience as well, and I think one of the most uh, the most unexpected but pleasant surprises we've had from really investing in our brand and content and all the stuff over the last couple of years is exactly what you just said. The customers certainly come, but there's all of these other sort of periphery relationships you don't even think about when you're so hyper-focused on clients that, that really come on strong and actually have a huge long-term uh, strategic advantage for you. Let's move this along. I could, <clears throat> we could spend hours on all five of these points, but, um, so prioritization, Tommy, <clears throat> you'd mentioned this was a big game changer. Um, w- <sighs> tell us about your priority management journey from, I'm assuming at one point, Scatterbrained running from one fire to the next, really not understanding the difference between urgency and importance, and knowing how to delegate uh, to where you are now. Uh, this is a huge key or that we unlock with our members and it's we, cause we see it in BJ's massive light bulb moment when people go, Oh my God, I can actually like dictate and control when and how and who does things within my organization. Not everything needs to channel through me. Tell us a bit about your priority management journey.
2: An executive assistant set me free. Frankly, I don't know up any emails. My voicemails are full for a purpose. <laughs> I don't do a lot of the messaging uh, I do on Facebook, but LinkedIn, I have somebody. I've learned, I figured out what I made per hour about three years ago. And I, I did about a 50-hour work week, even though we all know sometimes it's more, sometimes it's less. There's not not uncommonly I'll work 80 hours just on phone calls at night and stuff, but I don't look at it as work. But understanding what needs to get scheduled, helping to figure out how much is this going to shift. A lot of it has to do with filling a void in the company. A lot of it has to do with getting the better trainer. A, a lot of it needs to think about Where am I spending my time today? And what I find uh, is you could take just an old-fashioned schedule and write in, I got distracted here. You you get distracted. You get pulled away. You don't close your door. You don't have open hours versus closed hours. You don't have meaningful relationships and and scheduled meetings. And what happens is your day gets just taken. The big things you meant to get done, you're like, I'll get to it next month. I'll get to it next month. And all of a sudden – There's no change going on. There's no great change. So it's a very it's a it's a hard skill, but once you could own your calendar, you'll own your life. And I needed help. I needed somebody that was a completely different type person. So that's a person that was very like C type. They're very meticulous. They understand how to get me there on time. They got all the notes printed out for me. They made sure the video worked perfectly. I didn't set this up. Mm -hmm. I didn't you guys did a great job. I have a lot of notes that I made because she blocked out an hour for me to watch your Loom video and make sure I was prepared. Now, if that hour wasn't blocked off on my schedule, I'd be here without a clue what the next question is going to be. So I will say you guys did an excellent job. She did an excellent job. But look at the ability to get a guy like me who has severe ADHD to get me to sit down and focus and prepare and be mentally here in the conversation by just having a schedule and owning the fact that, that I could prioritize the biggest things to move the needle.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think my perspective on the, why this is so challenging for a lot of business owners, especially um, in either early days of, of business ownership or at particularly stressful parts of the season is it's very difficult to discern between what is truly important versus what is just, like, noisy. Like, what sort of, like, is a distracting thing? It's capturing your attention, but in the grander scheme of your business. um, Is this frustrated customer who is noisy right this second, is this a large chess piece in the story of my business five years from now? Is it? No, it's really not. It's just noisy. Whereas this other thing that I was meant to do truly is. And I just think having visibility between those few different concepts, this... um. You know, like one just low hanging fruit. I'm sure most of you listening have seen this, but this Eisenhower matrix, urgent, not urgent, important, not important. And just that's very, very rudimentary way of organizing one's thoughts and priorities is a for me was a pretty powerful tool, uh, to see for the first time. It just helped slot things into the categories that they belong and then put them into your calendar accordingly.
2: Mm-hmm. You know. When you're an entrepreneur, you have a hard time saying no. Hey, let's open a restaurant. Let's buy this house. What I've learned to do is say, okay, I'm just not ready today. Maybe we could revisit that because we have a hard time saying no as entrepreneurs. We see this shiny bulb and we're like, we can make that yeah. work.
0: Opportunities. And what are I've learned up. is a
2: lot of people, this is very important. They take the one thing that feeds them once it hits success and they start divesting instead of reinvesting. They start yeah. putting their time into other places. They start flipping houses. I'm going to open up a bar. I'm going to go start this crazy thing and, and you know, whatever. And we have a hard time. But if you could put the blinders on and it's very difficult to do for a guy like me. And this is why I've made so many mistakes is because I've divested in the company the one thing that keeps feeding me. And then I'm like, you know what? I started shutting down company after company. There was one time I had fifteen LLCs, just a different thing: software, this, that, the other. Now every software business I have is for A One. It's to make us more efficient. Mm-hmm. Everything is here to make us more profitable and growth, mm-hmm. and allow people to have freedom. So it's very, very hard because you're like, well, I could make money doing this. I promise. Of course you can. Right. But where are you, Where is your time best spent? And I'm telling you guys, if you got other ideas outside of your business. I want you to really think long and hard about what brought you to this moment to give you the freedom to even have the money to do that. And I need you to really stop thinking about this other stuff. And it's so hard. Do me a favor personally and just put those on the side. Revisit them in a year. You know, when you've got complete financial freedom and the business is doing well and you just need to be there 25 hours a week, you can take on new things. Maybe it's a, maybe you want to be a woodworker and that you just get a lot of passion and you're excited to build things out of wood, but put those on the side for now and watch what will happen to your life and business yeah. and your relationships.
0: That's a really, really good word. I love what he said, divesting from your business. Cause we, I think we, we see entrepreneurs do this all the time, right? You, to, to Tommy's point, like you have a certain level of success and then you start to see, okay, what well, could I get into this? And could I get into that? But really what you are doing is you're divesting from your core skill. That's it. Right. Rather than investing, exactly. Um, I want to just uh, add, add one important <laughs> note on this on this whole topic of, of learning to prioritize effectively. Tommy talked about uh, like calendar management and EA to optimize all that stuff. All of these, um, and, and I agree with all that. I think that the, the key point you got to understand those the prioritization and the owning your calendar happens through a really important lens. And that lens is the strategy. A highly defined strategy, because you can only ask yourself. You know, you're talking about like what is truly important, what is going to move the, what are the chess pieces mm-hmm. over the next few years. Well. You can only answer that question if you're clear on your strategy and what you're trying to do. So the lens through which you're you're looking at everything prioritization related has to be a really defined strategy that you've put good thought into. When I
1: was on Tommy Mello's podcast, whatever, six months ago, that was one of the main points we talked about was just this idea of, of having a clarified vision, something that is detailed. And the word I use is high resolution 1080p 4k like it there's a lot of pixels on the screen you can see in stunning clarity what where it is the business is going rather than this low res stick figure image yep. that really makes it difficult to prioritize because you have um, you have no higher purpose what is your loyalty to what is the highest purpose and in this case in the mm-hmm. context of business, it's it's the strategy that you've laid out for yourself, and without that, this whole exercise of priority management and get a Google Cal and all—I mean, it's it's literally a waste of time because there actually is no defined endpoint that you're trying to navigate towards. It's like doing it's like starting a road trip and then halfway through yeah. being like, where are we going
0: again? Yeah, totally. If anyone's well, it's listening like working this- on
2: a map all day without a destination. Totally. We have a budget.
0: Exactly. And
2: I know exactly what our budget is, and I know the things that are going to move exactly. my budget, and that's where my goals go. And my go- my budget's two things, profit and revenue. And the the deal is, is we've got a data integrity team that makes sure that the KPIs I'm looking at are accurate. So what's super nice about that is I can look at things and click into them and say, oh, my gosh. If we break this through, we can actually make budget. And I start getting a lot more serious around the 18th when I realize we're not pacing. (laughs) And I go, okay, what's going on here? I mean, it's great if you could do it the first week, but there's a holiday. You know, we had a bad Sunday. The doors weren't in on time. But what's so nice, I'm able to self-correct. So what I built for my technicians, if you guys, calc.a1garagetools.com will tell you exactly each technician's able to build a budget for their life. How am I supposed to build a budget when the technicians never do? Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm here making all these plans, shifting, making goals, doing different actions and behavior. Now I got them doing it. We've got a bunch of guys graduating today. And I said, they better all have a budget. They better all know how much they need to make, not for the company, for themselves. So the budget tells them how much money they need to make personally.
1: Yeah. That's really powerful. Totally.
2: There's um I'm gonna do a really
1: I got a really quick point I wanna make on this idea of focus because you said you said a word earlier which reminded me of something. It's the word blinders. Um, for any of you that like meditating, like you use headspace or you, I, I use the call map on the call map a couple years ago, they invested to have LeBron James come on and do a series of five or six part series of guided meditations. And one in one of them, seriously, go get the app, check out these meditations. I do that when I have a big day or a big week, I go back to these they are awesome. There's one where he talks about the power of focus and the, and the, the image he gives are racehorses. And racehorses have literal blinders on their head because horses are skittish and they're in a huge arena with lots of noise and lots of fans and lots of distractions. And he just goes through this incredible visualization of putting blinders on so that your peripheral vision, you can kind of see stuff, like you could see something if you needed to dodge. It's not like you're completely blind, but you are essentially honing in your eyesight onto one fixed point in the future. And I just find that whole exercise really compelling. And I think there's a lot of entrepreneurs that Deeply struggle with putting the blinders on themselves. Mm-hmm. So go to you go with the call back, and listen to listen to LeBron James' Guided yeah. Meditation. It's awesome. Um you gonna make a point? Let's move on. I was on? just
0: gonna say, uh, I think to some listeners, this all could sound a bit ethereal, like a bit out there. Um it's very real. Like oh, this totally. this is a very real thing. And I'm I'm talking down to like the way that you manage the blocks in your calendar. Um if you're not serious about where you commit every single hour, every single 30-minute slot, like like Mabel and I, my, my EA, like we, we literally talk in like 30, 60-minute slots. If you're not ruthless about where you're allocating those, uh, you need to spend way more time to get clear on your strategy mm-hmm. and to put a filter on everything that you say yes to through that strategy. Is this moving the chess pieces where, where they need to go is very practical, real stuff.
1: Yeah. And to be clear, guys, uh, like, like I don't have an EA, lots of you listening, don't have an executive assistant. I don't want to make this seem like you can't priority manage until you have one. Like this is absolutely a well, learned it's like skill. You can
2: it's not a lot of money. Number one, number two is I would just, as much as I've scheduled and I've got a, a really, really dynamically focused schedule, there are times that I need mm. complete gray space. I need whiteboard time. I need creative time. If I, There are days that I have my whole schedule and I felt like something was taken away from me. It's mm. like not fair because then I got to go home. So, so don't think you don't. Some days take a Tuesday off and really go out there, meet the people. So. I don't want you to think you need to take pee breaks on your schedule, like literally (laughs) build your schedule in a way that has some flexibility and make sure you get the personal time to become a visionary and maintain that. But focus. Intentional time is important, but build it into your schedule, because I think a lot of people that are going to listen to this and be like, oh, my God, my schedule needs to look like Tommy's. No, it doesn't. Listen, it needs to be good for you. You're a different type of person than me. And you need to make it right for you, where you can keep it and make it a habit. Yeah,
0: yeah. Th- this is actually an element. We don't need to stay on this for too long because uh, I want to move forward. But uh, I'll just say this is something I'm actually really struggling with right now. Uh, is this whole like open white space? Slush time. I'm way. It's not even slush time. Actually, I'm, I'm just way too committed in high focus activities that are that are not like open think space. Kind of like, just like what, what what Tommy was talking about. So that I, I'm feeling more than ever the importance of that stuff because I don't have as much of it as I would like or what I need. I
1: literally, as we speak, I'm coming through like a three week period where my calendar every like I look at it on a Sunday night and it is so gridded, like literally yeah. just like block 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 block. I'm very much looking forward to having a little bit of empty real estate uh, very soon. So I, I totally agree. Having some balance between those two ends of the spectrum is important. Let's move on to number four. So you'd mentioned this a second ago, not a second, a few minutes ago, uh, but you, so it's, it's, the idea is like the power of networking, the power of collaboration, the power of talking to other entrepreneurs. And this is something that I really, I actually really admire this about you, Tommy, on a on, on a personal level. Like it's, you know, despite the success you've had, there's absolutely there seems to be no point in time where you kind of go, "Well, I have it all figured out, and now people should be coming to me." There's this constant thirst to um, um to never be the smartest guy in the room, to always try to find people, uh, businesses, entrepreneurs. And you get out of your local environment a lot. Shop visits, trade shows, speaking gigs, mastermind groups. Why is this so important to you? What value does it bring?
2: One, One day I walked into Ken Goodrich's office with Gettle. And I just, the air was made out of something different. I saw truly a different picture of what I thought business was. And it was like everybody was moving And it looked like a great uh, play. It was just amazing. I saw and it felt different. And I took so many notes and I talked to each individual and then I got addicted. I mean, I spent more time traveling to shops and building ideas and learning what I would need to become. Mm. And it was extraordinary. And then uh, one day I said, this isn't fair. I'm the only one that understands what I'm doing. So I started taking people with me in the company and they go, oh, my God. That guy's got the same job I have. I'm going to call him every day. Then they started learning. And then we went to Pantheon, the Service Titan event, and we had the black and red shirt. We had 20 people there, and they got to all talk to different people like for like. And they were like, oh, my God, I got to see this guy speak. And it was so inspirational. It gave me a new meaning. And all of a sudden, it was like it's contagious in the company now. Let's bring them with us and because I got so much from it. I decided it's not fair for me not to bring people with me, and the people that come to Vertical Track, the people that come and hang out here for shop tours, when they bring people, they're like, "Oh my god, now I know what you've been talking about." And it's so important to bring your team with you. But I'll tell you this: never do I want to be the best because when I'm in the bat, uh, when I'm the best, I kind of just there's no more. It doesn't feel good. I always want to continue to better my best. And there's always people out there that you could learn from. I'm a student for life. That's probably the first attribute for me personally is to continue to learn and continue to have that thirst for knowledge. And it's just it's enlightening when you get to watch. And I feel this way now when I walk in here. I'm like, this is cool. There's like eight meetings going on right now. There's a bunch of one on ones. One on one is so powerful, by the way, instead of just team meetings. But the dream manager was in here earlier. There's all these different things. I walked into another office. There's eight guys in there, and it's like the guy's getting parts, and there's all these systems. And we've learned so much and from completely different industries. We've had cleaning people come through here that taught us about the Hispanic market and how amazing it could be. And so what are we doing right now? We're building the whole website into Spanish. We're yeah. re- Spanish, Spanish, Spanish. It's going to open up 30% volume for us. We've done the analysis. I mean, this is good stuff. Other people have amazing ideas, and they're not afraid to share them.
0: Right. That's the crazy reality, right? Like, the world is full of people that do what you do way better than you do it. Chock, and, full. <laughs> chock full. And most people just don't go open the curtain and look behind there and be like, huh, how's that guy doing that? But they're everywhere. Well, the other
1: thing, too— so. Part of it is a time thing or like somebody's probably listening to this going, well, that would be so nice. What a luxury for you guys. You don't understand the week I had. It's like, okay, I've, I've been there too. It's not like that 365 days a year. If you really be real with yourself, mm-hmm. there are opportunities to do this. So let's just get that out of the way. Then the next roadblock that I think a lot of people struggle with is they would never talk to me. That person would never share their advice. That person wouldn't give away any of their secrets. They wouldn't impart Mm -hmm. on me their wisdom, which is total bullshit. It is total bullshit. High performers are only too excited to share with other people who might be a you know a rung or two down the ladder behind them, what's worked for them and what hasn't. And I just think one of the, it's a really humbling thing when you go up to people that you, I've had this happen probably, I don't know, dozens of times over the years where people who I once thought were totally, like I would be lucky to have Um, I would be lucky to have like a word with them. All of a sudden you have a dinner, you go visit their Mm -hmm. shop and then they become a friend and then they become a peer. And then all of a sudden you're actually, you're challenging them and they're asking you questions. This whole idea of like just operating with, you know, in your little silo, in your little world and not exposing yourself to, different places, different mindsets, different environments, different ways of doing business, I think is really, the word is insular, which is you, you're uninterested in, in ideas or cultures outside your own. And I just think that's not a good place to be long-term.
0: Yeah, 100%. I'll give you kind of just a couple examples. Uh, yesterday, I was chatting with uh, one of the smartest guys I've ever met, one of the, the greatest investors I've, I've ever met. I've, over the last couple of years, I've just gotten more and more interested in, in investing. But um, this, this finance is is the career of my girlfriend and the founder of her company is a two billion dollar fund at the time. Um, he, he was like like just incredible, and now we're we're at a point where I literally like text message with this guy like on a daily basis because you can just- like They're available. If you, available. Get, if you, yeah, you there. get to a point, you just pick up the phone. I'll give you a different example. Uh, brand is such a powerful thing. I was in a meeting with Noel Fox. This, year. this guy built the original uh, Lululemon brand with Chip Wilson, built 1-800-GOT-JUNK with Brian Scudamore. I literally just called him up. Yeah. I, got, I got a cell phone number from Brian and just called him. And now we've been working together for years. People will pick up the phone and you can absolutely build into relationships very, very quickly. Don't
2: psych yourself out. You, you, they will answer. You go into there with an open mind. You say When people walk up and they're like, listen, and I don't need this, but they do it. They can say, listen, I'm a big fan of listen. I follow you. I read your book. It changed my life. Or are you really going to say, you know, screw you. I don't have the time for you, buddy. No, you're like, listen, I, I really appreciate you took the time to learn about me and my business. I would love to have you come out and any questions you have. So when you go into there, be humble and go in with a plan and what you want to get out of it. I know, but, you know, obviously you're going to learn a lot more of things you didn't plan on. You know, I was in New York last week visiting my buddy Luke Abbott with the Power Washing Company. does amazing. And I said, can you get a shop tour of an HVAC shop? So we're going to do a $15 million third generation HVAC shop. And I feel really, really bad because I said, do you guys know, are you part of Nexter? He goes, what's that? I said, you've, he worked with Al Levy. That's how the mutual acquaintance. And I said, tell me a little bit about, you've seen Gettle, you know, what they've done. No, who's that? Do you know anything about the Wrench Group? What's that? Have you read the E-Myth? Is that a book? Right. And I, 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 I kept my mouth shut because it's not my place. But I'm like, man, I just want to slap this guy. I, I love the guy if he's watching. I, I, don't, I don't think he's probably watching. But I really appreciated his humble. The, the fact that he allowed us in his home, which yeah. was his office, and taught us and showed us his org chart. And I took a lot of the notes. But I'm like, man... Imagine if you got out there, read a couple of books, listen to a couple of podcasts, mm-hmm. met a couple of these people. What would that mean for you? You go from fifteen to fifty in two years. Mm-hmm. And I just, I didn't have the, the guts to get, tell them, go learn, go experience, be around other people. Yeah. There's a Meet the there's billionaires. A, yeah, I mean billionaires. just finished with this billionaires network. Millionaires get great habits. They listen to Steve Covey and all that. Uh, Steve, the, you know, Bill, millionaires set good habits. They do all these great things. They got good road charts. Billionaires make phone calls to their trusted advisors. They find the best, of the best, and they make it happen. That's the real deal.
1: Yeah. The other thing too on this networking piece, I'll I'll just end with is um the great you know you've all heard this quote right? It's like good artists copy, great artists steal. The same thing applies for entrepreneurs. Like great entrepreneurs, co- good entrepreneurs, copy, great entrepreneurs, steal. And I think, you know, w- you open with this thought, Tommy, you're like, I started and I went to HVAC because HVAC has good systems for marketing. They have good funnels. And I went there and I looked at the infrastructure and I essentially extracted it and built it into my own. So that's the one thing is like, don't be afraid to steal is a strong word, but like, don't be afraid to just go examine something in the way it's being organized, reverse engineer it into your own business. That is how this economy works. And there's just, so you don't need to invent this stuff yourself. To Igor's point, there's somebody doing this at a higher level already. Just go do what they do for, yeah. to, to start and then go from there. And then the, the other piece to it is just the human interaction part and the the, the the importance of feeling inspired and leaving conversations or meetings or trade shows or whatever mm. it is, being like I want to be like that guy or I want to be like that woman or like I really, really admire them and I've left feeling uh, like it's simultaneously humbled, but my, but like, but like, strong and sound in my ego and excitement for the future. It's just a really, really neat thing that I would encourage business owners to tap into. So it's like, if you're listening to this and there's some operator, there's some entrepreneur in your market who is crushing it and you're like nervous to buy them coffee, literally pull over the truck and text them right now. I promise you could get this scheduled in the next two weeks. It's not that hard.
2: Yeah. I was going to say, we spend a lot of money on R&D, rip off and duplicate. Right, yeah. right.
0: I want to move on to this fifth sure. game changer. Before we do that, I was going to I was going to speak to that exact point that you're talking about. The power of energy mm. is huge when it comes to this. Like you use the word inspiration, very similar, but I felt this so many times throughout my career when I'm around people that are doing what I do but on a way higher level, and they're passionate about it. They bring the energy day in, day out. This is also what I love about, about Tommy, the amount of energy he brings. That is a really powerful thing. Like there is, there, there, there's tactical like learning skills and systems and, 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 and the specifics of how, of how someone does it. But I think what transcends all of that is the energy that you can come away with when you're around other really high performers, because what you realize is if if that girl or that guy is doing it, they're just like me, I can too. 100%. Right. 100%. Let's move on to
1: point number five here. You'd mentioned it a second ago on The the Billionaires Call Their Trusted Advisors, and we were kind of like prepping for this last week. This one really... it, it shined through our conversation, which is you are someone who leans on trusted advisors, and that has been a huge game changer for you. Um, at what point in, in your journey did you fully start to realize and appreciate the power of good advice?
2: I'd say if I had to tell you guys a story, me and Al Levy went to lunch because we both lived in Scottsdale, and I, I showed him my book it was a uh, it was the first edition and um, he goes yeah this is okay we should probably rewrite it and um, and I said okay and he, he what he learned with me is don't hold back you could give me bad news and I'll accept it well don't bullshit me so he walked into my office and I invited him in and he parked his Mercedes perfectly backwards and just you know it's polished it's clean he's very methodical He walks in my office, does a tour, walks out, and he goes, do you want to know my findings? And I said, I don't know if I want to. Go ahead. He goes, number one, he goes, you guys have calendars all over the wall. Have you ever heard of Google Calendar? And I'm like, so I got rid of all the calendars the next day. He goes, you've got a purple shirt on, Tommy. Adam's got an orange shirt. The other guy's got a green shirt. That's not a brand. He goes, I could have stole all of your merchandise in your warehouse with your own forklift because nobody was back there and the garage was open. He goes, show me your manuals. And I pulled out this. And he's like, this is dusty as hell. Does anybody ever look at this? And I said, all right, I'm going to hire you. And he forced me to sit down, told me to shut up. We put our cell phones away in a little bucket when we walked in there and we focused and we built systems and we spent a lot of money. We spent maybe 250000 with Al. If I could have gone back, I would have spent everything I had. And I, I can tell you, after that day, I started getting training. I started investing in coaching. I started finding people. And I've given... There are people I've paid 30000 a month to. Lots of them. I mean, there's probably nobody that you guys have seen at my age that's been more coached and spent more money. Because I've literally... If I like something, I'm like, let's go do that. And if I like it for anybody else in the company, I'm like, I'm paying for that trip. You're getting out there for that. You need that. And they appreciate it so much. They make great friends. They get great experiences. And they get great trusted advisors. And I just... I'm addicted to it now because there's so many people that are so much better than me. Even my strengths could be sharpened. And to say, the one thing that I'll say is I just gotta continue to better my best and become the best person. The worst fear in my life is meeting another version of myself. On the beach, he's got his wife in his arms, he's got three kids by him, and he's just completely at peace with himself. He's successful, he's a great son, he's a great father, he's a great brother. That would be hell on earth for me. So by becoming a person that's always seeking out the best, always, and it really makes me. Uh, it really makes me think a lot differently about what I need to be around because I'm around really amazing people. Yeah. And the difference is, I don't try to defend myself. I'm not like yeah, but yeah, but yeah. The yeah buts are bullshit. Yeah but doesn't exist in my mouth. It, it doesn't come out anymore. Yeah but 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 no. This is, I'm listening, I'm writing it down, and I will try my best every single day to learn from you. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, Tommy, let me ask you something specific. Uh, When you think about trusted advisors, um, if someone is listening to this and, and, and they're thinking like, yeah, I'd, I probably have a big opportunity to up my game in a couple different areas. Uh, what are some of the specific advisor, not not that they're the actual individuals, but like what do they do? What were some of the big ones that really moved the needle for you? Advisors in what category or categories?
2: I mean, I'm obsessed with marketing sales, but really what I needed is more on organization. I needed more on delegation. I needed to understand more of systems versus systems and processes, standard operating procedures. I think just also really self-reflection and understanding how I make people feel. And I've had emotional intelligence, a lot of EQ training. I've had personality profiling training. I've had different personality profiles done on myself and my management team. I've had leadership training because one of the problems with my growth strategy is developing leaders all around and they're not born, they're they're taught and they get to start to figure out their EQ more than their IQ. And so... I'd say it's a different culmination. I've had a lot of stuff done with the brand, but I don't go into something going, "We're going to do the best we could, and we're going to brainstorm it for two weeks, then we're going to do the best we can." I go, "Who's the number one? Who is the authority
1: on this?" Thank you, thank you, bro. This is like, I feel like I have to. I say this all the time. It's like the everyone has an impulse to let's like let's like do a war room meeting. Let's get yeah. all of our brightest minds together. We're going to get these big fucking whiteboards and all of these markers with all colors. And we're going to like sit, and we're going to get pumped and we're going to brainstorm and we're going to solve this. And I, it's like, I'm like, we don't know. We don't have the answer. That's why we, have, that's why we're in this problem. But somebody does. And if we spent 10% of the time looking for that person and then just you know asking for free advice and if that's not available pay them for it and then just do what they say this whole war room exercise with the whiteboards and then the weeks of frustration that follow we don't even have to entertain that and I just think that's such a powerful point it's like the answer exists out there Uh, sometimes it's free sometimes it costs you money either way it's probably cheaper than trying to like literally cook your noodle trying to figure it out yourself I just think that's such a powerful point
2: you know, I spent a lot of money with Ellen Rohr, and she taught me about financial quick checks. She really helped guide me along the way on what I needed to know. I was blind to what the money was in the account. I didn't know, you know, and I didn't want other people to see. She goes, you let all your management team see if you're going to work with me. And she said this. She looks at me dead in the eyes, and she goes, if you have anything that you don't like, then I'm just not going to work with you. I don't do this anymore. Elle asked me to do a favor. And by the way, it costs a good amount of money. And she goes, I will leave right now if you have any disputes with the way I'm going to teach you and the things we're going to talk about. And I said, OK. <laughs> She's very compelling. But, but you know, there are people that have done this. You look at a really good person that comes into your finance department and they set up the right tools, the right playbook, the right meetings, The just learning how to have good meetings. Mm-hmm. How many people walk out of a meeting and go another – freaking meeting that should have been an email (laughs) it's like why are we meeting about every freaking thing and then some people that don't have any meetings they don't want them they're like my people hate meetings i'm like no you built that culture they would actually love some self-acknowledgement they would love to get awarded in front of everybody and their thoughts really implemented and and you caring about what they think but you built a way that your meetings are just you
1: um You know, there's a point here that I think, uh, needs to be made, which is this, uh, there has been over the last five to 10 years, a certain like coaching and advisor bubble that has grown, uh, everyone and their dog is now a business coach or a consultant or an expert of some sort. Uh, I guess that's a diplomatic way of saying there's a ton of bullshit out there, a ton more than there's ever been. Yeah. Um, so the, que- yes. <laughs> the question is, we're, we're, I don't want somebody to like take this the wrong way and like get off this podcast, be like I need advisors and then Google something and then click and then get stuck in a sales funnel and end up six weeks later with someone giving very less than mediocre advice for a pile of money. So Swearing I think that there's Benji a, and Tommy. yeah. So there's <laughs> a level of discernment here that I think needs to, uh, be, be discussed. What do you, how do you, how do you sort the, the, the wheat from the chaff? How do you? Uh, the men from the boys the true experts from the jokers i mean this is uh this is a big space and it's very easy everyone's going to tell you they're the best so are there certain things are there certain tells for you tommy when you're looking for an advisor that make that um communicate to you hey this person is a pro or on the flip side are there real giveaways like man, this person doesn't know what they're talking about
2: you know, well, their lifestyle shows a lot about it. You know, the best, the best, they have a confidence level, unlike I've ever seen. They say, I don't really work. I don't, I work off of referrals. Most of the best, the best. They don't need to market themselves very much. They, they literally, like Jonathan Wisman wrote The Sales Boss. I read the book. I got a hold of him. I wanted him and I got him. Yeah. I'm very tenacious in that way. Uh, and then really what it is, is other trusted advisors by asking them what's worked for them. I literally got coached by a CMO of one of Jonathan's Wismans. It's his buddy, and he gave me a lot of important. We went to dinner. This I didn't pay him. I just went to dinner with him five times, and he gave me a well, this amazing, amazing, amazing cheat sheet on how to do things. So I think you got to have a proven track record and an endorsement behind it, mm-hmm. and you need to be able to check references. I can't tell you guys enough. You guys are listening right now. But you're not going to do it, and then you gonna... I've seen so many fake people cook their numbers, even in all these different industries. You go to their shop. The reason why they started coaching is they're not making money in their own industry. They just got it pretty fancy. I I've seen this hundreds of times, and then you go look, and I'm like, "Listen, if you don't mind, I just want to see. You know, let me see a balance sheet." But yeah, um, yeah, we're still we're still putting that together. I mean, what am I, and listen, if you don't want to share that, that's fine. But most people would say, yeah, I'll show you last year's. I have nothing to hide. Right. I tell everybody we make money, you know. And I, you, you come look at their facility, and it, it speaks volumes. Talk to some of their employees. Talk to some of the people around them. Not every single person. I'll tell you, Al Levy, he got out of the family business. He ended up being an amazing coach. But he spent years doing it. But he had real-life experience. I hate coaches that go into coaching because they couldn't make it in the real world. It's like teachers. I love getting taught. When I went into a master's program, I had a one teacher that was a multi-multi-multi-millionaire, and he did it because he had something to give back. Mm-hmm. He wanted to help people. Mm-hmm. The other teachers that had tenure that had been there forever, I got nothing from them. They're like, open up the textbooks to page 58. We're going to be going over this case study. I'm like, you don't know anything about this. Yeah. You're nothing. Yeah. You've got tenure. You can't get fired. You're a piece of shit. <laughs> But that's my take up.
1: (laughs) There's a reason I dropped out of business school three times. (laughs) Couldn't finish just for the exact, exact same thing. I was like, this does not work for me. I got jobs to sell.
0: In a nutshell, uh, when you're trying to figure stuff out, there's essentially two paths. You go bushwhack through the jungle for a long time, right? Or you could walk around just a little bit to find the paved highway Mm -hmm. and just walk down that Mm -hmm. a whole lot easier. So, um, you know, the choice is yours, but, um, There, there, there are absolutely harder and easier ways to figure shit out.
1: Okay. Let's wrap this. Let's, let's bring this to a close here. Uh, five big game changers for our friend, Tommy Mello, financial controls. Number one, finding an integrator. Number two, number three was learning to prioritize effectively. Number four is truly understanding the power of networking and collaboration. Number five is getting trusted advisors in your corner. I'm going to end this with a fun question, Tommy. If you could go back in time, okay, so let's say like between 2005, 2007, you're just starting out on this journey and you can talk to young, like, you know, early 20s Tommy. He's a hustler. He's probably a little chaotic, ideas falling out his ears. you know, what What wisdom would you impart on him? What advice would you give to to young Tommy if you could?
2: Number one is, is, like you said, I'd put the blinders on. I'd go all in. I'd read the book, The One Thing by Gary Keller. I'd read Essentialism. I'd say, you need to put on the ultimate focus hat. This is going to be priority. Mm-hmm. Number two, you need to make a specific plan, a budget. You need to understand your goals. And they need to be obtainable. But you need to have stretch goals. A big one that I I made a lot of mistakes with is I didn't know how important a brand was, vehicle wraps, how important to make the yard signs look like, the mailers look like, the billboard, to create a message, a mission vision with core values that you actually believe in. And that's what guides you through and helps you set the budget and principles that are going to set forth. I I wasn't ready 10 years ago or I'd say 15 years ago. I wasn't ready for that message yet. Because just like kids, you can tell them all you want when you're a parent, but they don't do it till they make their own mistakes. So a lot of people have to go through their own trials and tribulations. But if I could get myself to just – and I could just grab my head back then and say, you will listen for three days. It wouldn't be just a conversation. It would say, we're going to go over a lot of the mistakes you made and how you almost lost everything several times over again. And you had to hit rock bottom. And I don't want you to have to do that. So I'm going to help you so much. If you take these words literal and you will – You will save yourself grief and agony in relationships. So that's why it's so important is have a plan, okay? And then number two is give a shit about other people. Understand they're dedicating their life, their entire life, their family, their kids, the people that they care more about in the world than anything to you and start saying what's in it for them and make sure they enjoy every day. And remember, don't be afraid to let somebody go. Because sometimes your top producer is a, is a prima donna. They, they roll their eyes every time, and everybody's watching. And until you're ready, until you can build the amazing team and learn that you control, don't go try to poach other people's garbage that are prima donnas and just take the next best thing. Build a team that you can train and that you could. when anybody leaves, boom, you got a depth chart, an org chart. You're able to train them on manuals. You got a training facility. I think the people would be the main focus is start to shift. You're the problem. Somebody got in a car accident, you're the problem. Somebody sued you, you're the problem. You got a bad review, you're the problem. Start taking ownership of everything because until you take ownership, and if you're a technician, you won't say the wife wasn't there. Oh, they didn't have any money. Oh, COVID. Oh, it's tax season. Until you take ownership for every failure, then you'll never be a great leader and you'll never be a great founder or a great business owner. And so that's the thing. Take the blame. I mean, there's a lot there but th- that would be just a quick conversation with myself.
1: It's <laughs> just like s- slapping young Tommy in the face, just grabbing him by the shoulder. I'm just envisioning <laughs> Jocko <laughs> grabbing and grabbing him, being like, like it is you. <laughs> He's like, what is going on right now? <laughs> Tommy, you've said it all, my friend. Where can people find out more about you? If people want to connect, if they want to follow your story, uh, where should they go and do that?
2: Yeah, so Home Service Expert on Facebook It's a free group. we got about 5,000 people that we're always giving. I just posted some stuff about an org chart yesterday. Uh, If you could make it the vertical track, it's October 10th through the 12th. I think Benji's going to be there talking to us. Uh, Really, you'll get a shop tour. We'll show you. I don't have any secrets. You want to know a question, we'll show you our CRM. We'll show you what we look at. I show everything. I don't have anything. I, I don't have blankets over anything. You could go look at everything. The books I read, the awards we've won, the good, the bad, the ugly. You could talk to our trainers. Uh, it's not about ticket sales. I don't make money on this event. You know what I do, though? I make relationships. That's for damn sure. So, uh, you know, I'm available a lot on Facebook. You could, If you want to email me, it's a great way to get a hold of me. A1 lead manager at Gmail. I've got about 18 million emails, but Gmail tends to get it through to my inbox a1 lead manager it's from like 15 years ago it's right before my aol right after my aol account and my myspace account i came up with that so yeah that's the best way to get a hold of me and don't hesitate look just freaking do it if you got a question i'll answer it. i'll get you to the right person it's not a hard thing just grow a set of uh set of earrings Wables. and and call me or or, or text me or whatever
1: I appreciate it, man. It's been so much fun jamming with you. I'm excited to see you at Vertical Track. We're excited to have you at our Winter Summit. This location still TBD. Uh, or not TBD, TBA. We know where it is, but we're not saying yet. And uh, yeah, man, it's it's. I always have so much fun hanging out with you. And I just want to thank you for your precious time. and uh, And we'll do this again soon, man. Take care.
2: Thanks, Tommy. Thank you guys so much. This was amazing. I
0: really enjoyed it. Thanks, man.
1: Thanks a lot for listening to this episode of Contractor Evolution. Uh, if you've already subscribed to our channel, consider sharing this episode with another contractor who you think needs to hear it.